Hey guys, Eric here, and I want to talk to you real quick about the dailydownforce.com. Every day, this website covers the latest news and trends in NASCAR, from silly season right through the checkered flag in Phoenix. Need a new morning routine as soon as you wake up? Well, now you have it, dailydownforce.com. This is the website I use to keep up with the industry, the drivers, and of course, what the community is talking about. And speaking of community, dailydownforce.com is also home to some of your other favorite NASCAR content creators. Plus, they've got all sorts of information that I like to keep bookmarked, like schedules, penalties, ratings, and everything you want to know. Oh, and be sure to check out the merch shop while you're there to find some exclusive diecasts and collectibles. So check out dailydownforce.com, that's dailydownforce.com, and I'll see you in the replies. Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Before history is written, Played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Power Hour, presented by Circle B Diecast. I'm your host, Eric Estep, joined by the other host of Power Hour, NASCAR driver Brennan Poole. Brennan, welcome to the show, episode six. How you doing? I'm good. Episode six. Ah, that's my number, baby. Hey, All I didn't right, realize. Man. Look episode at that. Six. Six. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fire jam. I'm excited. This is going to be great. The show, of course, is sponsored by Circle B Diecast and uh, fans of out of the Groove Power Hour, can use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. Brennan, I'm excited because just a couple days ago, a very exciting box arrived at my <laughs> front door. Uh, I picked this up recently. Well, I say recently, I pre-ordered it quite a while ago, but now Eric Jones, <laughs> Southern 500 wind die cast. Yeah, it's mm. the first next-gen 124 scale car I have in my collection. I'm very impressed. I love the confetti. And uh Appreciate Circle B Diecast delivering this thing neatly to my front door. Brennan, what diecast do you have to show off? What's one of your favorites in your collection that you want to talk about this week? Mine oh, is also a race winner. Hey. And it's a race version. It doesn't have the confetti on it, but this is Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s number three victory car from uh, Daytona, and it's raced. That's so it's awesome. got like all the rubber all over it and some of the, you know, you can see where he, you know, what he didn't really touch anybody, but it's got the rubber on it. I always thought this car was cool. Plus, uh, he could pull out of the draft and pass everybody with no help. <laughs> Junior, if you're watching this, let's have a conversation about how that was the way that it was. <laughs> That's an awesome car, though. It's an awesome paint scheme. I think we have brought some two uh, pretty big winners, uh, Blast from the Past 
something real new school. We appreciate Circle B Diecast, though, sponsoring the show. Again, use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. Brennan, there's a lot going on in the NASCAR world. The last time we talked on this show a few weeks ago, it was Chicago Street Course. That was the talk of the town. But now, I know we just wrapped up uh, Pocono. Uh, how was your weekend? You had a bright and beautiful car. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, the members first people, for starters, members first bank, they're awesome. But dude, the, so Mike Wilson, who's the CEO, um, who's a good buddy of mine, he did the, I, I, everyone had to see the driver start your engines, right? He, he. that's the best one since Kevin James did. Yeah, that was, but we- we teed him up because we kind of showed him the Kevin James version before like he went and did it. And we were like, you got to do this. Like you got to like really go for it. And dude, he went for it. He was like, <laughs> start. And like, if you haven't seen it, like you've got to check it out or maybe we can clip it. Yeah. I'll all. see if I can find a clip of it. Cause it was it's I, worth hearing. I have it. You like, I'll okay. have to send it. To send it to me. We'll insert it. Me. We'll insert it right <laughs> here. So shout out Mike Wilson for the driver start your engines. But yeah, it, I thought Pocono was a wild and crazy race. And there was um, um, a lot of action on Saturday with crashes. Our strategy didn't pan out, so we didn't run that good. So we'll skip over that. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I mean, people were fighting on pit lane in the cup race. Yeah, it was um, nuts. Denny Hamlin was saying he didn't hit people when he did. And now people on Twitter and everywhere else are saying he didn't touch them, but he did touch them. Yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? It was slight, yeah. Good, good drama, good controversy after uh, Pocono um, helps keep these summer months. I remember when the summer months used to be like dry, like no disrespect to these these tracks, but you'd go to Pocono and then you'd go to New Hampshire, Sonoma, then back to Pocono, and I was just like, like you'd have Daytona sandwiched there in the middle over July Fourth, and that was like the saving grace of the summer. But now, I mean, I think New Hampshire was a good race. Sonoma was interesting. Pocono. I mean, the crowd was fantastic. Pocono slapped. Mm -hmm. Pocono, second year in a row, has given us plenty to talk about and to react to as fans. So, um, no, the summer has been hot both on the track but also off the track, Brennan. I want to talk about NASCAR free agency. As the summer is heated up, everyone's talking about free agency. And this may be kind of an awkward conversation with you because I know you're kind of in the middle of it. Like, you are a NASCAR driver who's – you're with a team currently, but you've driven for – three different teams this year in NASCAR at some point or another. So I know you're a guy who's always looking for that next opportunity as well. Um, So this past week, Justin Haley uh, kind of shockingly announced that he would be, you know, leaving Colleg, not signing a new deal with Colleg Racing and instead would drive for Rick Ware Racing in the Cup Series. He signed a multi-year deal. Um, I guess, first off, Brennan, what's your reaction to that kind of a move? How does that affect a driver in your position? But also, how does you know, a lot of folks look at Rick Ware Racing historically as kind of the butt of the joke, you know? But with the next gen and the changes they've made the last couple of years, Rick Ware Racing is more competitive than they've historically been. How has the next gen car changed the perception of what a good ride is? Well, I think, you know, definitely the next gen's made a lot of changes. But I also want to say, you know, I've driven the RWR cars this year. Mm-hmm. And their alliance with RFK and the things that that Rick um, and the things that Robbie Benton, the team president, 
Tommy Baldwin, the competition director, the things that they're doing, I mean, they're running that team as if it's a big team and they're headed into that direction of putting all the focus in on performance. Um, they want to run well. I mean, you know, that Rick wants to be competitive. He wants to run up front. He wants to be able to battle yeah. for race wins. That's that's the goal. And I think the next gen has created the opportunity for a lot of these teams that have struggled and fought um, in the back to um, make a charge um, to, to put themselves in the mix. And I think um, Justin Haley probably sees that. Um, and I think, um, I mean, I think it's a good place to be, you know, I, I would love to, um, I'd love to be his teammate next year. I'll just say <laughs> that openly. I, I, um, you know, I know I'm going to get a few more opportunities this year, uh, to drive for Rick on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that and trying to make the most of those opportunities. But yeah, I think all the stuff that they've done, um, within that team and the, the time I've had there, um, this year already is made me, you know, uh, it's made me really excited to just be a part of that program. And, and, you know, their cars are, they, those cars come out of RFK, their shop is there on the ground. So, um, they work really closely with them. And I know the effort is to continue to, to grow that alliance. And I think, I mm -hmm. really believe that RWR will be even better next year than they were this year. So I'm excited for them to, to see what they, what they're able to accomplish. I think Rick's done a great job with, with um, hiring some great people to be around him. You know, Robbie um, Benton, who is the team president was at Penske when Logano won the championship a few yeah. years ago. So mm. like he's got really great people in place. And then of course the Alliance um, and, and, and being able to get that support and help and, and all that stuff is huge. And, and um, shoot, man. I mean, you know, I know um, Cole Custer had a hard, hard go at it at New Hampshire, but man, he was running 22nd. Yeah. And, and when I drove it at Kansas, I ran inside the top 25, the, yeah. like the whole race till we got caught up in, in an incident at the end. So your top 25 um, at Dover, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I ran inside the top 25 and, I and mean, uh, thanks Ross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just, just giving you a hard time. That meme never dies. Um, it, it, I know. Um, but yeah, so like I, I really think um I really think um that's a good move. Um yeah. I think it is. Um, do you think uh I mean you talked a little bit about their alliance with Rick Ware Racing, specifically talking about Rick Ware, but also just teams in general. How important are our technical alliances these days now that the next gen is virtually, you know, it's a spec car. So how important are those types of alliances? Well, you know, the big teams are still the big teams and and they still have a lot of in good engineers on their program that are finding all those little things that add up to the raw speed. And, yeah. um, you know, that alliance is incredibly, incredibly helpful. And, and you look at, you know, I know it's the new car, but I mean, still, you know, I think you have to have that support system. Um, with your team, if you're not already one of the big teams. So if you look at it, a lot of the, the teams that do run well, some of the mid-build teams, if you will, they all have those alliances. And there's every once in a while, man, one of those those cars is in the hunt to win races, whether sure. it's a colleague or the 47 with Stenhouse. He's been having a heck of a, the second half of the season. He's like running in the top 10 every week. Um, you know, you, those teams that have those alliances certainly um, – help them have more speed. I mean, it's just, they, it, it's a big, it's a big help all around. So I think it's very, very important to have it. If your, your goal is to be, is to be competitive. 
you can hear, I don't know if you can hear, there's a fire truck going by. So I was trying to mute my microphone for a second, but, uh, I can barely hear it. Yeah. So I think you're good. <laughs> Apologies uh, to the listeners at home. Uh, that, that's not <laughs> happening in your world. That's happening in my world right now. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, Justin Haley, you said you like this move for Justin Haley. Good move for Rick Ware, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Justin Haley, you know, four years ago, leaving Colleague, who I guess was also a very new team at the time, but leaving Colleague for Rick Ware would have been a total head scratcher. But now, you know, at the very least, obviously they have the potential now to build something great over the next few years. But at the very least, at least Justin Haley was able to take control of his own future. You know, I, we talk all the time about how it's a numbers game as much as anything in NASCAR these days. And I don't know that Justin Haley brings much sponsorship. I think that was probably the holdup at Colleague, why those negotiations seem to kind of take weeks and month after month. It was like, yeah, we'd like to bring Haley back, but you know, money, money, you know, making the numbers work. And he could have just waited and waited on that deal for months. And then last minute, oh, they bring someone else in at Colleague and Haley would have been out of luck and had to scramble. But, you know, him making this decision now to pursue a team that, actively recruited him i think that's great for a young driver like that you get some job security for the next couple of years and uh you're in control of your own fate your own destiny that's pretty um great but you know i guess on that note brennan we talk all the time again about um how much these teams demand or at least ask for (laughs) maybe demands a strong word they sometimes settle for less for sure um but how much teams ask for in terms of sponsorship from drivers you know how how much is that affecting silly season or free agency this year in your eyes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it always plays a role every year, um, you know, minus like a few guys at the very, very top of the sport, but even then it can still affect those guys. Like we saw with Kyle Busch. Um, So, I mean, you know, no matter what, I think you still have to have um, support. I mean, the teams are, constantly looking for funding just like all the drivers in the sport are constantly looking for funding too so i think um it definitely is a factor um and and the more of it you have um the better situation you can be in um but there it also depends on the driver too you know the the there are some drivers that a team may be wanting to get that they may be willing to take less funding for or maybe collectively sure. as a group make an effort to find it together and what that looks like i mean there's a lot of different um variables that come into play on on a deal happening um but i i think for the most part if you want to be safe i mean you got to be walking around with a with a with a with a pretty good partner or at least a a couple of pretty good partners and you know it's 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 easy to follow it when you see other drivers move from team to team to team and they like have the same partners from team to team to team to team like yeah. you can you know, you kind of put two and two it. together. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of big drivers, even big drivers, you know, whether it was Kevin Harvick or Martin Truex Jr. Or, I mean, it, there's been more than that, that have you, you've seen, they drive for somebody and the next year they move and it's like the same partners are, are with them. And sure. um, having that support means a lot. And you know, as a driver, it gives you a lot more control over your destiny too. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I mean, I like the move for, for Justin. I like the move for RWR. Um, I like, you know, I'm I'm inside of RWR a little bit, but I so I see the things that in the direction they're headed in. I like that direction they're going in. Um, I think they're, um, you know, they're a lot closer. I think than people realize to being a serious threat every week. Um, they're not. They're close. So um, <laughs> they're 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 right there. And so um, that their their time their time is coming. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think that, that this is the first domino to fall. 
Um, I think there's going to be a lot more. And I think this year, this off season, there's going to be a lot of shakes, shakeups and people are going to be like, Whoa, wow, this is crazy. I don't know. I'm yeah. just speculating at this point, but I think there's going to be a lot more movement in all the series from even in Xfinity and trucks. I think there's going to be some big moves that people are going to be like, Whoa, didn't see that coming. There are a lot of rumors and reports out there. And we're going to ask Daniel Hemmerich about this a little bit, which by the way, I don't think I've said this yet. Daniel Hemmerich is our guest today. He'll be joining us shortly. <laughs> it's in the title of the episode, but we didn't, I don't think I officially uh, mentioned it. We'll introduce him in a few moments, but uh, there are so many more variables this off season or this summer slash going into the off season than in years past with you know new TV contracts, media rights, splits being negotiated, schedule changes with new markets, potentially international after what happened in Chicago. Like there's, there's so many variables out there there now that uh you know there's just more moving parts and you know there's been reports Corey lajoy it sounds like is finalizing a, a deal to stay at spire despite having maybe uh interest getting interest from larger teams which makes everyone wonder hey what's spire cooking up over there we've seen reports from adam stern sports business journal that charters are expected to go for over 30 million dollars i don't like is that do you think that's high a high estimation brennan is that like accurate is that even low like it feels like charters these days are you're just making up value at this point but that's that's crazy right yeah i mean it, it all comes down to the demand really um but no i mean i i think they're probably worth quite a bit more than 30 million as as it stands right now today i hmm. i think wow. that's probably a little low yeah so i mean i i don't know i mean i look at the tv numbers i really think the health of the sport right now is really good. I mean, we're selling out crowds. We're selling out campgrounds. I mean, Pocono didn't have a campground. I mean, they sold the campground out before they sold out the grandstands, and then they sold the grandstands out. But, but um, I mean, I, and and that's happening on a regular basis. I mean, this is happening at multiple tracks, multiple weekends. Uh, like the everyone, it just seems like the sport is in a surge. The, the viewership is up. I mean, even when I see some of these numbers, you know, that they're reporting on like, oh, Pocono, it's the best, you know, 2.8 million views. But I I still remember a time, and maybe it's because it wasn't on cable, it was on, you know, Fox Sports 1 or whatever it was on, where we were having 4 million people watch some of these races. I, I, I think that everything is headed in a positive direction as far as, um, as far as how things are working on the fan side of things. You know, I think, yeah, you know, I'd still like to see some, changes with the with the cup car and i know there's a lot of other drivers talking about too just trying to make the racing better like we're shifting at short tracks for crying out loud like <laughs> you know there's just some stuff that we don't need to be doing but i, I think nascar is aware of all that and i i think changes are coming so like i i, I really think right now like everything's going great for the fans for the sponsors for the sport so i'm happy i'm i'm pretty happy with how the where everything's headed right now yeah to, I, not to get back into the the weeds of silly season free agency um i've been i've been using both terms now interchangeably because i get comments in my videos that say they don't like they think silly season sounds too silly um this is yeah. this is serious it's serious season this is these are this is important um but you know the with all the unknowns of you know I, it, in your talks and you obviously can't go into any super deep specifics but in talks you've had with teams about next year and beyond do they bring up the unknowns of the TV contract? Do they kind of know what to expect from, from TV, what they want from sponsors? Like, like, do you get the impression team owners and cup Xfinity, et cetera, know what to ask for? They know what they're, what to expect, or are they also kind of like, like are those unknowns yeah. going to slow free agency down this year? I think it's a really good question. Like, I think that's a really, really good question. Well, I would thank say you. like <laughs> Xfinity and trucks, 
I think all the team owners there pretty much know what to expect. I don't think much is going to change for them on purses and things like that. I know uh-huh. there was a talk of like streaming an Xfinity series, but I think those talks have died out. I don't, I don't know. Some people are like, no, they're talking about it again. And I'm like, I don't think, I think Xfinity should be on TV. I don't think it should be on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. I think it should, I just think it should be on TV. It should be accessible to everyone at all times. Like I just think racing should be, they need to do everything in their power to keep it that way. But, um, you know, I think as far as the TV deals go, I think the cup guys, the top cup owners, I think they still are not positive what's going to happen. I think there's hopes that it's going to be bigger and better, meaning more money for the teams. And I think there's hope that NASCAR is might, I don't know if they are. I, I think this is just like, you know, from their discussions, that there might be, they might open it up a little bit more than what it's been as far as sharing more money with the team. So mm. I think there's some um, where the teams are kind of feeling that. And I think that's what's driving some of the price of these charters too, because it's a business. And if they are expecting, and they, this this is all, you know, people are trying to buy these charters before this new TV deal and this new stuff comes out. So, and as people buy in, that number just keeps climbing. Um but I think they're they're hoping, you know, that the, the TV deal is going to be big and it's going to be and it's going to end up being more money to the to the cup team owners that have charters. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, to see if and when, because like that, those agreements could be made any week now. Yeah, I, you, I think everyone would hope. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess that's why it's you, know, you hear LaJoy signing a multi-year deal, Haley signing a multi-year deal, but like Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex. They don't have anything on paper for ne- next year yet. You know, they're still, I don't know. It's just, it. I can't tell yet if all that uncertainty is going to slow things down this summer going into the fall or if it's going to speed things up or if, or if like everyone's waiting for the domino of the TV contract being signed to yeah. fall to really solidify well, things. But yeah. if you're a guy like Denny Hamlin or Martin Tricks Jr. and you have sponsorship money attached That's true. to you. They're in their own category. You might be waiting for that TV deal intentionally. Um, to fight for a bigger salary. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. So, you know, I, that's, they might be waiting he's, intentionally for that, but it's the NASCAR um, version of holding out. Like maybe that is right. like Truex. Truex keeps saying, "I got to come to a decision soon. I got to make a decision soon." And then he keeps pushing it out and out and out. Yeah. Then think about but that. If you're yeah, right, if yeah. you're a guy like Corey or Justin Haley, job security is the most important thing. To good them. point. They want to be racing and they want to know they're racing, so they're at a disadvantage on some of those negotiations because the teams know that. And, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, you know, Spire wants Corey to stay and I'm sure Corey's happy to stay there. Everything's going great for them and they're going in the right direction. But um, so he's probably wanting to be there. So him getting that opportunity, having that security that I think that's a no brainer for him. But if you're another guy where you're in a different position where you've you've got sponsors that are st- sticking with you and, and you're waiting to see how this is going to shake out, you, you, it might be better for you to wait because a guy like mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin or Martin Trex, they, they have the ability to do that and still be fine. It's all about it, leverage. And they, those are yeah, two no guys leverage. that are championship contenders, big mm-hmm. sponsors behind them. They have leverage that Justin Haley doesn't. I mean, that, that's, exactly. that's what it comes down to. That's very interesting. That's a great point. I hadn't actually thought of that uh, the last few weeks, um, but that is good stuff. Um, Brennan, yeah. We get. I guess we should bring in uh, Daniel Hemrick now. I know you guys are good friends. Daniel Hemrick, yeah. obviously a, a NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. 
Uh, and I remember I had him on my show a few years ago when he was, I think, in the Cup Series, actually. And so I got to talk to him for about 10 minutes. I just got a, to learn a snippet about Daniel Hemrick's background, <laughs> the kind of person he is. Um, but I remember, you know, he won the the Legends Million 12 or 13 years ago. That was a huge moment. I know you guys, your racing backgrounds, there's a lot of similarities there, a lot of crossover uh, there. So mm-hmm. I think this will be a really great conversation. Again, thank you to Circle B Diecast for sponsoring the show. Once again, I remind everyone watching and listening that you can use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. So be sure to get out there and order your favorite drivers, you know, 2022, 2023 Diecast, pre-order uh, any of their newer paint schemes uh, on circlebdiecast.com. We really appreciate their support. Brennan, let's bring in Daniel Hemrick. Let's get him in here on Power Hour. We are now joined by Daniel Hemrick, NASCAR Xfinity Series driver. Daniel, thank you so much for being uh, on Power Hour. How's it going, dude? Hey, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Happy to be on here chatting with you. Awesome stuff. And you, you brought the background. That is probably the most elite uh, Zoom background <laughs> we have seen so far. Uh, that's Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, there's always an interesting story about what you have propping up your background. Um, this is, I literally brought like a lawn chair and just put up in front of this little table here. We had a guest bedroom, but then we went and decided to have not only one kid, but have two kids. And uh, our cool, like, little room with all of our helmets, all of our stuff turned into another place for another bedroom. Um, so, yeah, as I'm talking to you, I look this way. And where I used to have all this really cool backdrop for stuff like this is now a queen size bed for in laws to stay at. So, <laughs> hey, do what you got to do. And it's good to have something to be able to sit in front of. Yeah, I think um, I think that's awesome, man. And um, we, Eric and I were just talking about it. Eric was just so Eric was there when you won in um, the championship <laughs> in twenty twenty one, and he was he had like a front eye view of you guys door banging across the finish line. Yeah, and um, he was talking about how exciting it was, and of course it was exciting for all of us to watch too. And and um, obviously I've known you for so long, so I was pulling for you in that whole situation, and and um, for you to to win the race and get the championship um man that was um it was just it was awesome to see i know like a lot of the fans probably don't know this but you and i like i've watched you race bandoleros we race legend cars together i don't i think i think i was 12 or 13 i don't i can't i think i'm a little bit older than you but i don't yeah barely barely am i like just is it one year maybe yeah i think so i think it's about a year uh i think you were just further along into it so like you were naturally like a division ahead or or whatever yeah um what I'm saying is, you were just way better than I was. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> at twelve, maybe because I had the I had the upper. I had already been doing it. Um, yeah, but um, um, yeah, I just find it so interesting. Like you know, for me, like I look at the field and I see there's only 38 guys that race on Saturday and 36 guys that race on Sunday. And for yeah. us to have known each other when we're so young. And then to like still race against each other at like the highest form of motorsports in this country, like it's crazy, man. Then there's, I mean, there's a lot of us. I mean, we race with Chris Busher and and um, and Ryan Blaney and a lot of those guys as well. But it's crazy yep. to see those guys that uh, made it and we're still racing together. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. That's what um I try to elaborate to folks when they're talking about you know, like you talk about Blaney and some of the really the more you know high profile figures in our sport at the top level it's crazy the amount of individuals that are still fortunate enough to call this their way of life still doing this that we kind of grew up week in and week out whether it be local short tracks or whatnot running around playing football in between you know being on the racetrack or whatever you're doing right like we all grew up as kids racing along the lines of hey we want to be able to do this one day but the thought that that percentage of kids you're racing with at that time 
a lot of us are still, like I said, fortunate enough to do this at this level is pretty wild, man. So uh, I know you and I recently got to catch up there at Chicago Street Course on our little driver lounge, which is really cool. They had set up for us. You know, we're just talking about just how fortunate we are to continue to do this and uh, continue to, you know, keep taking a step up the ladder whenever um, folks get to the point where they can't do it and, and uh, continue to show up. So uh, it's funny how we've all kind of honed in our craft, but we've done it since we were 10 years old battling each other. For fans well, uh, watching and listening who don't know as much about your racing background or beginnings, uh, Daniel, I guess, where did you start racing? What form of racing would you say you really cut your teeth at that helped sort of propel, propel your racing career to that next big step? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, growing up here in the Kannapolis, North Carolina area, it was, it was the hub of racing. Now, obviously, that was not that was not at my the forefront of my mind. I was a kid. I thought I was a kid that hey, you want to go drive this thing called a go kart? Yeah, sure, let's go do it. So, off the Concord Motorsports Park, as it was called, I know Brandon's raced there many, many times. A little quarter mile there, and and uh, that that's where I got my start. I was five years old. I was actually racing the go karts and then also racing dirt bikes. You know, an event here or there, just doing something to be active. Right. And I was fortunate to have a dad who was pretty out of control on anything with, you know, a, a motor and wheels. And he let me try all kinds of new stuff. And then, you know, a lot of what got me into it as well was my stepfather actually had raced up in the Northeast and had moved, uh, moved South, uh, from Massachusetts and, and, uh, chase the dream. And a lot of folks, you know, I'm not sure the, the age group of your viewership, but you know, we, um, you know, they used to be a super late mile series called the big 10 series. They ran at the half mile at Concord Motorsports Park. So as a five-year-old kid, you're running the quarter mile and you're like, oh man, the big dogs race right up the hill here at this half mile racetrack. And my stepfather raced there uh, prior to, you know, just having to do something different in his life. And, and uh, between, so through my dad, my stepdad, that's what got me into it in the go-kart level. And, and that's what we did. We did it for fun as a hobby, uh, but it really stuck out pretty quick that we didn't necessarily have the means to probably do it that way. Um, and fortunately, you know, by the time I was 10, 11 years old, I was, I'd met a couple of folks who eventually gave me an opportunity in, in, uh, in some bandoleros and then legend cars, which led to uh, some super late model ranks. Um, and that's really about where my career, if you will, I thought was going to stop at. Like, I yeah. mean, I was fortunate to be winning races and doing it at that level. And, uh, at that point now I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old, being able to somewhat make a living at it. Um, but they had no means to go any further than that. And then just by coincidence, um, just some timing of events led to an opportunity to run a couple of truck races and, Man, it's kind of a whirlwind, you know, <laughs> over the last 10 years, really, how, how I got to where I'm at today. And Brennan, uh, where, where did you first meet Daniel? Y'all were talking a little bit about your racing background, but where did you guys first race against each other? I I think it, I think I met Daniel for the first time at the summer shootout, I think. It might have been at Concord because I, I did run the, the, little quart, the little quarter mile too, but I think it was at the summer shootout in like 05. Yeah, I, I remember I remember very vividly, actually. I might remember a little better than you did. Maybe yeah, not. Prob- <laughs> so... Brennan was in what was called the pro class and uh, I was in one legend car class below that, which at that time was called the semi-pro and I was driving actually the first car owners where I had uh, Tim Lattiger, who's actually now a mechanic on Austin Hills Xfinity car. Um, he, him and his wife, Cheryl had a, a legend car team and, and we had a guy helping us uh, by the name of Josh. I cannot think of his last name. And, um, but Brennan somewhere along the lines had had a deal with a, a guy who owned the legend car team and, your deal went south, and next thing you know, you started driving for this Josh guy that was helping helping our team with our cars and setup, and that's kind of how, you know, our groups kind of end up just hanging out there for a little bit. And uh, I remember you showed up to run his car at a summer shootout in the pro division. I can't remember the number. I mean, it was white with like some fluorescent 
greenish mm-hmm. color. Yep. Um, one seventeen, yeah, baby. Crash. You got crashed the first night. You should have won. Yeah, I did. I get <laughs> Tyler Green. Yeah. Tyler Green, who ended up spotting for me. Another. I don't know who he spots for in Xfinity now, but um, yeah, bizarre, wow. right? Yeah, yeah. So, and what's yeah, even was, crazier was... about that night? I don't know if you remember, but um, he wrecked me so hard that literally took out because uh, we were first and second coming to the checkered flag, and it the wrecked field. the whole field. In nineteenth place, it was Jordan Anderson won the race. He was in nineteenth on the last lap. What yep. the heck? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I just. Dude, uh, by the I way, we're talking like we were talking like by the way, like fifteen plus years yeah, ago, a long time ago. Yeah, I love that. Holy cow. <laughs> what a story. And, and Jordan Anderson, you, know, you would talk about guys growing up together, racing yep. together, making it together is another name right there. Uh, that's yeah. Another one. Crazy. It's, it's it really <laughs> is amazing when you start thinking about all the guys and that's something too, that I, I've had a lot of respect for, um, for Daniel over the years. And of course he knows this cause we've talked about it just on the way that, um, you know, he got there and, and the, the same way that I've fought for my opportunities, Daniel's fought for his opportunities. And, and you know, I, I, know his challenges and the things he had to overcome to get there to get these opportunities so and there's not a whole lot of guys in our sport that have really had to fight i you know i I mean i'll just say it as hard as i feel like you daniel and i have fought for some of these opportunities so um there's a respect factor that i have for him that i don't have for a lot of many other guys which i've been vocal about it whether you know that or not daniel i've vocal about it but but um, yeah, and then to 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 you know see you you know have the success that you've had, it's been it's been really really awesome. And of course, yeah, we did have that great time catching up in Chicago because um, lives get busy. But shoot, man, I remember your wife when she was racing the K and N cars with at Turner. Yeah. Or I don't know if it was Turner. I think it was just Turner then. And I was trying to you know work my way and navigate through t- through Turner and all that kind of stuff. And watched watch I watched her run a lot of races and watched her run ARCA and canon and all that stuff and and to see you guys and you have a, this family now and you're still Crazy. racing and and uh it's it's cool man to see see you guys how you guys have supported each other over the over the years and and um y'all's relationship and and um yeah man it's just because i've known you guys for so long so it's just uh it's been really cool really cool to see so yeah that's special man it, it definitely um that's why i love doing stuff like this because every time you bring up something it's like reminiscing and and just yeah, just uh, we get so so in the trenches of today, right? Like how how to be better today, how to be better tomorrow. It's we probably don't take enough time to look back and and reflect on that stuff. And yeah, it's super good times. Um, like I said, I can see her helmets over here sitting in the corner stuff <laughs> that she was wearing when her and I met. You know, we we're both trying to figure out the grind that we're still trying to figure out every weekend. Um, but it's been special for her, to have her beside me throughout that entire journey because a journey it for sure has been and and um you know taking the conversation back to where it started talking about eric seeing me win the championship at phoenix you know that's what one of the questions i got after that was like you know what was your favorite you know what's your favorite race of memory or you know well, what did you enjoy the most about this night like everybody kept talking about this one night and in all reality i was like i had someone very wise and it's helped me a lot in my career tell me so many times getting to that point well before it happened that, you know, just, just keep remembering all everything else that's going on. Yes. It, what happens next is important, but right now this journey you're on, like the destination, whenever you get there, however you get there, wherever that is, that's all fine and good. But this journey is what it's all about. And I've enjoyed this journey. Um, yeah. Having to do it the way I've had to do it. You and I both know it's, it's uh it is exactly the grind that we talk about, but what else are we going to do? Right. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's so rewarding having 
having uh you know folks not only talk about what you've done in the past but you really kind of do it on the merit which you've done at the end and the grounds you stood and and uh yeah it's been a special ride well i've been able to see you you know i remember one one race in particular this is an old one too so i'm going way back but um arca race berlin and you're there watching and supporting and kinsey is yep. driving and i just think of that dynamic of how many times that you've watched her race and perform and how many times it's been flipped and she's been there for you and watched you perform so um yeah what a an interesting dynamic you guys have and certainly just yeah. what a wild journey um and and i agree it, it's all about the journey and um and you and i look at it very similar so it's just cool getting to getting to talk about those things you know i know no doubt. um yeah and and i know you're you're with a new team from when you won the championship that we've all been discussing this is your your second year um at colleague racing um and and we've seen you know some progression from the first year to the second year how are, how do you feel like your year's going where do you feel like you guys are at and um and just talk maybe a little bit about um you know how you feel about the remaining part of the season yeah i think the uh you know the, the recent kind of uptake in performance whether it be i'm just gonna put it all in one category and just and call it performance in general i mean pit road to on track to decision making to our race cars um i feel like everyone at college racing is just taking that next step um at least a step to kind of give me a little bit more comfortable um you know i both know like how important it is to have something that you want to feel in a race car, especially growing up doing the way we did it. So we've kind of slowly but surely honed in on that for me. I think that's why you've seen a good bit uh, of the uptake in performance, but you know, I, I just look at kind of the energy around Matt colleague and, and kind of how he runs his businesses. And, and uh, when I took this deal on in 2022, I was like, man, this is, you got an owner here who is, who is young and so enthusiastic and, and he's involved with so many other types of businesses that, he is going to treat this no different. Like he is going to succeed at this. And I think, you know, that leads to exactly what we're talking about in our performance game lately. Like he's not going to let it fail. He's going to continue to push, uh, continue to push us to push our people. And, and, and that's pushed me. Right. Like, and I think, you know, we still got some work to do. I think, um, man, I, it's, it's good to go to the racetrack and know that we're like, now we are back in the hunt. Like we feel like we're gonna have a shot when you unload every weekend and, and um, I didn't feel that way the first year I was there with them, right? I mean, I came in with all the confidence in the world that you can have coming off of a championship to like humbled faster, just like this roller coaster we live on in NASCAR than you could think. And and I've uh, been slowly but surely trying to dig myself out of that. But yeah, I've had a uh, you know talk about my wife again, Kinsey, and a support group, and and uh, just the folks that have helped me along the way. It's maybe now understand that now as we've gotten our race cars close to what I want them, as we've gotten myself mentally in a better place that hey the, the performance can still be there and, and there's still still big heights to build to to reach and grab so yeah I, I like where we're at currently um i like to know that there's there's a lot we can still clean up that we're nowhere near you know meeting our full potential yet but the good thing is there's light at the end of the tunnel on the performance side on the getting the finishes we need as we get to a crucial part of the year where you got to be able to know there's more there and you can go get it how does uh like we've seen all the time uh drivers have changed come and gone but colleague always has felt from the outside as though it's like a very close-knit family type atmosphere everyone seems to kind of be on the same page more times than not but uh, so i guess i want to ask you know how would you say colleague racing uh you know how would colleague racing compare to other teams you've driven for in your career do you get that impression like yeah. like it's a very close-knit group or is it is it still just it's an ascar team at its core it, it's not too different than a lot of other teams 
Yeah, I mean, I don't it's definitely different for sure. Um I think about you know, I remember whenever Collie Racing first started, like I was their alliance partner. It was the years I was Xfinity racing up there in 17 and 18, I think it was, uh, at RCR. And they became straight in strictly as an alliance partner. So I got to see Chris Rice and kind of how he operated and whatnot within those those meetings and debrief sessions we had. Um, but I think I've tried to always respect, you know, I've been a part of some incredibly, incredibly, you know, big organizations and some incredibly small single core organizations. And I yeah. feel like I try to respect them all for, for what they are. They are all so, so different. Um, the leadership styles are different, how they communicate, whether it be through people or directly to you, you know, you know from the top down, it's just so different. But I'll tell you, you know, um, whatever Matt says goes to Chris and Chris is the, the, the kind of the, the tipping point iceberg that lets everything else run down downstream to us. And, and I really believe that because of that, you know, there's not a lot lost in translation. I think what you see is is uh, is what you get from that from that part of it, and and uh, they are trying to shake the game up though on on how they how they interact with partners, how they how they bring them to the racetrack, how you know they want to make sure the experience they get is not a hey a meet and greet. We're gonna hang out here, you're gonna sign some autographs and get out of here. Like it's a full blown experience for our partners that come in, and yeah. um, heck, even what you see in my shirt with Circle, like they've been they've been completely blown away by the experience they've received here at College Racing. It's been fun to see them attached to it, but it starts our leadership. And um, yeah, it's been fun to see the, the excitement college racing has brought to the sport. Awesome. Yeah. Love to see and hear teams uh, innovating that the at track experience is so important these days for sure. Yep. Um, you know, we've talked, uh, you, we talked about how year two at college, it feels like you found your groove, especially the last few weeks, like I think two or three top fives in a row now, but uh, you know, I think a lot of fans look at your career, Daniel, and I can't speak for every fan in the world, but just broadly speaking, they look at your career and they immediately notice the consistency. No matter the team, very steady, very consistent. Uh, you won a championship in 2021, but that was also, I guess, your last win uh, in a race. So you know, how challenging has it been maybe from a mental perspective, either changing your approach or trying to keep doing the same thing you've been doing to try and get back to victory lane these last, this last year and a half? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I, I think, you know, kind of growing up the way I had to do it, you know, I was building my own cars and having to fix them and get them to the track and come back and set them up and do all that stuff. Right. So I think uh, probably the earlier stages of my career when I was, like you said, still being consistently and getting really, really solid finishes and having chances to, you know, get to the championship four and all, all this stuff. Right. Like there was probably a little bit of aggressiveness that I lacked because I knew, I don't know, just the value of keeping your car intact and all that stuff was still yeah. internal internally kind of hmm. burned in me that I couldn't quite get myself over to, ah, if I'm not the right defender here and I'm, I'm going after it, it's okay. It was probably a little bit there that I lacked. Um, and honestly, I had to kind of forget all that, that to win the championship that night in Phoenix. But um, I look at just really in the grand scheme of things, like going and going and finish races is, and having the next opportunity the following week, you know, when I was doing it as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid, like, legitimately i was gonna eat ramen noodles that night or filet depending on how my outcome my of these last couple of laps were with these restarts right so wow. um i had to i've had to kind of kind of detach from that a little bit um i had a hard time with that at college race in the first year i'd say um because i'd had so much consistency all those years that I, all of a sudden i had this newfound confidence like i was talking about a minute ago and i come in and i trying to get more than was there and was making a lot of mistakes, tearing a lot of race cars up. And that's something that I've tried to pride myself on not doing. And um, so I was, I was thankful to get the shot to come back this year in 2023 and and to know that um, we've been able to tap into that consistency to finish races, to 
kind of out discipline some folks in some different scenarios and and uh, kind of feel back to my old self, but know I can ramp that aggression up now when I need to. I can I can go um, go kind of seize the moment when it's going to be in front of me, and we keep doing what we've been doing lately. Those moments will happen sooner and later. I know Brennan and I uh, have talked about you know free agency and and the difficulties of of you know finding that next opportunity. You've been with Colleague the last two years. Colleague's been in the news lately. I know with Justin Haley announcing he's yep. going to Rick Ware next year. So uh, I guess. My question for you, I don't know what your deal with colleague looks like, but looking ahead, we talk about the journey, the next destination, the next part of the journey. Um, does how does colleague fit into that? And does you know the Justin Haley news or anything like that, does that affect your um future plans in any way, shape, or form? Oh gosh. Man, I feel like, you know, anything that happens like that, there's always a domino effect throughout our sport, right? Like mm-hmm. as big of the sport as we know it is and try to think that it is in the the pure amount of seats that are there is so small, right? So yeah, there's definitely a domino effect that does affect everybody. I um I don't at this point know it directly how it affects me. Um, but I know there will be something. That's the fun part about the journey, right? You never know what's next. Yeah. Um I definitely I definitely don't know what that is. Um I I can tell you that uh middle of twenty twenty one prior to winning the championship, you know, Matt Colley, Chris Rice had offered me a deal and um and I accepted that deal. It wasn't based off, hey, come drive for us for one year. It was based off, hey, we have a vision for 2024, 2025 down the road. And that vision is is for sure what I bought into. And I, like I said, I don't know how Justin Steele is going to affect me directly, but I know um, I know it's good to be a part of an organization where there's opportunity, um, where there's for sure going to be growth. And when there's that in front of you and, and you're sitting there riding the horse still, that's that's a good place to be. So I'm uh, yeah, hopeful that something works out. I don't necessarily have nothing, you know, no ink on paper saying, hey, this is where you're racing at next year. Um, but I know we're working hard to try to work it out. Yeah, I, I can imagine good, that's a good, tough spot. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, no, yeah. that's, I mean, I, you're a pro at this as well, Brennan. You know mm-hmm. what it's, how, what it takes, how, uh, how difficult it is yeah. to race one season, but also still have that one eye on the future on the next opportunity. If it's the same opportunity, you know, that's, that's a tough spot, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, as a driver, we're all fighting for like a piece of the pie, right? There's only so, there's only so many seats. There's only so much pie and we're all fighting for like a piece of it. And and to Daniel's point, right? Like not, you never know what's around the corner. You never know what's going to happen. You see guys move and other things move and you know, it's going to shake some stuff up and you just hope it shakes some stuff up in a direction that works out better for you, you know? And, and um, so, yeah, it's, it's starting to get that time of the year. I think that announcement that did just happen was like, kind of like, one of the first dominoes. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the dominoes. And hopefully we all uh, end up in a place where we're happy and, and um, you know, and, and can go do what we love to do. So I'm, I like this time of the year can be like dreadful for drivers, but sometimes it can be really exciting too, depending on what position you're in. So I'm certainly um, looking forward to seeing what happens over the next, the next couple of months for me and for Daniel and, and other people that are in the sport too. It's going to be, I think this silly season is going to be an interesting one. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, kind of not sure. I don't want to take over this where your segue <laughs> is your next part, but like there's so much involved, you know, within what happens in 24, right? We're talking about TV contracts. We're yeah. talking about the charter thing, charter agreements. We're talking about, you know, I feel like, you know, the nod of, hey, I got the charter and the value of that is going just out of the roof now of 
right? There's only so many of them. And, and I think that's a whole nother, you know, you could talk for hours on that, but here nor there, it's just, there's so much going on right now that I agree this, uh, this particular silly season, I hate calling it that, but this particular silly season is about to really get turned upside down, I do believe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not, it's like more of a crazy season than it's not <laughs> it nothing silly about it. It's just crazy, yeah. but we call it silly. It bizarre. Season. bizarre. It is. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if Brennan has any final questions. My final question uh, for you, Daniel, I guess, you know, again, looking ahead, but, you know, looking ahead to the end of this season with the playoffs around the corner, the end of the regular season around the corner, I guess, what uh, more do you need? Does your team need or or what are you guys looking to do to take that next step and be a potentially be championship contenders this year? Yeah, I mean, I'll be truthful. About seven weeks ago, I felt like we needed to be able to contend, have an average running position inside the top you know, top five to six. I feel like we were about one or two spots away, average running position throughout these races to be a serious, serious contender each and every week. Like, and the next part of that's leading laps and, and, and like I said, increasing that average running position. You can do that. It's incredible how much your total point days, how much that increases, how much, you know, your mm-hmm. stage finishes and your and your final, final uh, you know, point gain on the day of where it ends up at. Um, there's no bigger precedence than, than winning our own winning now than ever. Um, but we for sure went the right direction on uh, getting ourselves closer to that. And man, I, I don't know. I, I can't help but think back to 2017 and I think we were eighth or ninth all year points. And, and uh, we got some stuff figured out between myself and the race cars. Next thing you know, we're racing for a championship at Homestead with it fairly much, very much so lingering in front of us um, as the favorite to win this thing. And we have a dead battery to take us out of it. So losing one that way, winning one the way we won it 21, um, but I get some sense of, of, um, I don't know, just some, some certain sense of confidence in knowing I've been on both sides of it and knowing this race team is, is just as capable of any of those particular situations and look forward to seeing what this 11 group can do as we continue on down into the regular season and into the postseason. Well, Daniel, we wish you the best of luck, man. I know I'm going to be out there yeah. on track with you at the same time, but we're, we're pulling for you and um and uh we're we're thankful that you came on and and chat got to chat with us for for a little bit i mean i thought man it was a great conversation yeah likewise man I'm, you know as well as i do i'm always pulling for you uh, i know um not specifically the grind and what you're trying to do at this level but we've all had to be a part of that grind growing up so best luck to you in a crazy silly crazy season silly season whatever it is um, <laughs> crazy silly think about everybody yeah crazy silly season <laughs> Hopefully we uh all have all have a chair when the music stops and yeah be pulling for you as well, man. Yeah, thank you. Awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Appreciate you being on. Yeah, thank you. Huge thank you to Daniel Hemrick for joining the show. Um, that was awesome. It was awesome to hear you guys at the beginning sort of reminisce a bit about your early racing years. Uh, that's pretty cool. That I do think it's crazy how so many drivers from I don't know 10, 15 years ago. Like I think back to the was it like the K&N East series in like 2012? You look at that field and it was stacked. You look at like who was in the K&N field in 2012 and it was, I don't remember, off the top of it, it was like Bubba, it was Blaney, it was I think Chase Elliott maybe, it was Suarez might have even been in that field, I don't remember. But it was uh, it was stacked. All these guys that made it to Cup, many of them have won races and even championships. So it's uh, it's great to see so many so many of you guys uh, you make it so far along in your NASCAR career and the journey is just beginning so that's great. Brennan, it's time now for one of my favorite segments each week. It's the fan question segment. We don't have a like a fancy name for it, but uh, we've got a pretty good question this week that I think is very open-ended and will allow for us to 
sort of name drop some iconic drivers and even more iconic uh, NASCAR okay. paint schemes. So, all right, you ready right. for this? I'm game. I'm ready. Hit me with it. So this question, which is posted underneath our most recent Power Hour podcast episode on YouTube, uh, comes from dit.tot8303. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, their question is, I have a question for the next episode. What is yours, Brennan's, and Eric's favorite ugly paint scheme? It's one of my favorite questions to ask NASCAR fans. Keep up the great work on this show. Um, well, thank you, dit.tot. So what is an ugly paint scheme, Brennan, that you kind of like? Like it's like you're almost like your guilty pleasure paint scheme that, you know, it, you, you still appreciate. I, mean, I know it's hard, but like the when 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 you first read the question, like the first thing that I was thinking of that just like hit me was that old was the Travis Pastrana Roush oh, yeah. 60 Xfinity car where it was like blue and pink and like crazy and checkered and like weird like stuff yeah. on the nose. Like that car like it looked so crazy like it didn't look like a nascar car but it was but it still was cool like it was like a almost like a rally type style paint scheme yeah yeah on a xfinity car and i always thought that car looked really cool but also looked really weird so like it was like (laughs) one of those things where it's like yeah i guess it is kind of like a like a guilty pleasure type style car because like man it's really cool but also like out of place at the same time but i like it you know yeah out of place unorthodox like a fish out of water i would agree but that was kind of you know that was kind of travis pastrana too at the time you know it was it was yeah so i I think it actually works when you think about it from that level so i'm with you there that's a good you know kind of ugly paint scheme that still has some redeeming qualities um about it Uh, i was looking around i did some googling when i saw this question because i wanted to make sure i left no stone unturned one paint scheme that i think gets a lot of hate uh was kevin harvick's flannel bush light car he drove a few years ago oh yeah it was like dark red and navy blue uh and you know, he, <laughs> he does all these different bush light variants some have been worse like the millennial pink car the uh, the gen x or gen z whatever it was car was terrible actually one of those was kind of cool there was one of the cars not the pink one. He did one that was like black and green. It was actually kind of cool. But anyway, Harvick, Bushlight, they have wacky paint schemes every month, it seems like. Um, but the flannel car, I think a lot I had of people- to look it up. Yeah, a lot of people trash that scheme. It's not amazing. I don't want to put it in my like top 10 or even maybe not even for that whole season. But I liked it. I kind of liked that it. it was different. Like flannel pattern on a cup car, on a race car. It is unique. Oh, man. It worked better than people give it credit for. That's just my take. It's- that's a goofy one, <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, it, it's not it's for everyone. Cool. Are you, do you hate it? No. Yeah, you, you He's had a lot of goofy ones. No. What was the, there was a, the car where he had the millennial phrases on it. Yeah, right? that Isn't wasn't that great. what it was? And it was like pink and green or something. Yeah, that it was terrible. Was, it was awful. That car was, yeah, it was bad. Another one, a couple, I, couple goofy ones. Another one I wanted to mention though, as a Matt Kenseth fan, I just was reminded of it was his, uh, I want to say it was 2011, might have been 2012, but I think 2011, he drove a Kroger scheme uh, at, I want to say Michigan over the summer. And it was, it was like the only, this paint scheme only ran one race, I'm pretty sure. And it was like yellow and blue with like flames going down the side and like a red 17. So like you think Kroger, you think blue and white, you think kind of like what Ricky Stenhouse does these days. And it's like, that's Kroger. This was yellow blue and red not a lot of cohesion there but i love that i remember uh it was in eighth grade i think at the time seventh or eighth grade 
And in my history class, we had to like, you know, I'm holding up a notebook right now. We had like, you know, spiral notebooks. And for one of our assignments was like, our teacher wanted us to like decorate the front of our notebooks with like mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. things. It was a U.S. history class. So like put like a, like the state capital, you know, Statue of Liberty, uh, you know, whatever. Like they wanted you to put American-y things on the front of your notebook. And so I went home and printed out a picture of that car because I thought <laughs> that car was so cool. And uh, how more, I mean, how much more American can you get? It's NASCAR. It's, I don't know if Kroger's Grocery shopping. Company. Yeah, grocery, grocery shopping. shopping. So I thought I'm going to put this Kroger abomination on my notebook. I think I put a America. couple other things too. But uh, yeah, I thought that's that that works. And I'm pretty sure I passed that that assignment. Um, but yeah, I had on my notebook for like seventh or eighth grade US history, this Matt Kenseth Kroger thing i liked it i i even bought the die the small i had a 164 die cast of it that i loved it so much i need to find that thing i hope it's in like a drawer somewhere because that's it's the rare piece of history it's the one-off classic kroger kenseth car yep 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 yep. how can you how can you not have it absolutely um great question though dit dot tot uh that was a lot of fun this is a great episode brennan uh folks uh listening before you click away before you turn this off uh be sure to leave a question Either tweet it at us. Um, you can tweet at me at Eric Eastep seventeen. Brennan, what's your Twitter handle? Is it just at Brennan Pool? Yeah, it's just Brennan Pool. Yeah. Ask us something crazy, guys. Yeah, give, give us, us something, something nuts. Throw us a throw us a one for a loop. You know, like yeah. you know, what's your favorite spicy noodle pack? You know, like <laughs> something crazy. That is a, like, that's pretty unusual. You can <laughs> also leave. You can also leave a YouTube comment under uh, this video or any of the other videos uh, on this show. You, you, even on one of my other videos, I, if you say that it's for Power Hour, I'll, I'll find it and I will uh, forward it along to Brennan and we will answer it potentially. If it's a little mm. too crazy or if it's not crazy enough, we may not answer it uh, in the next episode, but there's a good chance we will. Um, Brennan, uh, final thoughts. This was a, a good time. Appreciate Daniel being on. I know good buddy of yours. This was a blast. Yeah. I had a good time with this one. No, this was great. A lot of uh, a lot of great conversation, a lot of laughs, a lot of um, changing the name of silly season to crazy season, even though it's silly crazy season now, I think, according to Daniel. So um we'll leave you guys with that awesome stuff thank you all so much for listening to this episode of out of the group power hour we will see you next time